This winter, trust Zycam to knock out a cold at the first sneeze of the season. Other cold medicines only mask cold symptoms. But Zycam is homeopathic and clinically proven to shorten colds when taken at the first sign. Find Zycam's products from rapid melts and medicated fruit drops to nasal swabs at all major retailers, including Amazon. Zycam cold remedy products are safe and effective. Visit Zycam.com slash basketball to receive a $2 coupon on your next cold remedy purchase. All right, really fun episode today. I thought this wasn't going to take us that much prep. And then I basically just spent like two and a half hours going down the rabbit hole of all these awesome individual games and series that have happened this decade. It's the beginning of our all decade series. We got a lot of really, really fun stuff coming up. So so look out for that. But first, the parade of news never stops, Danny. It really does not. And I, I think where we should start is in Orlando, where Nikola Vucevic is going to miss Vucevic, sorry, is going to miss a minimum of four weeks with a right ankle injury. He has been an important part, obviously he was an all-star last year, of what Orlando is doing, and I'm most interested in how this impacts Steve Clifford's rotations. Does he actually play John Isaac at center more? Is yeah. the Kem Birch Mo Bamba show? And then how does it affect their offense? Because Vooch's floor spacing was such an integral part of what the Magic needed to even get some semblance of offense. And now with Vooch out, that's going to be a different challenge for Markel Fultz, Evan Fournier, and everyone else. Well, and I'm very interested to see too, does he leave Mo Bamba in a backup role or make him the starter? They do at least have Kem Birch, so there's depth at the position although Mobamba may not be good enough uh, even as a backup. I think I like Bamba better with the starters just because he can space the floor a little bit more. If, in fact, Birch is going to be the guy, maybe you go back to DJ Augustine as the starter just to get a little bit more spacing. That, I think part of the reason they put Fultz in the starting lineup, number one, is just because he's Fultz and they want to develop him. But number two, because the spacing on the backup unit just wasn't good. Now, Bamba hasn't provided a ton of spacing himself, even as a nominal three-point shooter, but he still gives you more than Birch does. I'm guessing, yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I'm guessing they'll probably just elevate Bamba just because that's kind of what you do. Uh, but the greater thing that we probably need to talk about just is how this impacts Orlando's playoff hopes. The Magic are currently 6-8. and eight. The big benefit for them is that there are only six teams in the East that are really doing anything so far, including the Pacers, who are 8-6. and six. So even a rough month plus for them, depending on how long Vooch is actually out, probably won't sink them, even if that were to come to pass, and we don't know for sure that it is. And, yeah, I mean, the Pistons, the Bulls, the Nets, you know, one of those teams having a, having a strong stretch would not be a surprise at all, but two teams could be a little bit much. Yeah, 538's projections right now has the top five teams all 49 wins or over including the celtics and heat and raptors along with the bucks and sixers then the pacers at 43 magic projected at 41 i don't believe this has been updated for the vooch absence yet although they do uh, actually update their projections for that stuff i believe then the nets comfortably still projected for the eighth seed at 37 wins and then the bulls at number nine 32 wins the pistons really being terrible so far especially on defense i think really helps them so i think i probably would still pick them to make the playoffs even with this uh, although you know one of the things that was pointed out about orlando is how healthy they were last year and their one injury to bomba actually helped them uh, as it turned out and so obviously now vooch was a re- regression candidate had regressed even before this but despite his shooting struggles so far this year 
year he uh, the step down to Kem Birch and of course Bamba is a massive one but you know so this probably knocks two wins off where they'd be over you know assuming he misses 15 20 games it probably cost them two three wins which is a lot but they actually have that much of a cushion as far as making the playoffs. and this is kind of a, a counterintuitive thing but the magic have a series of games in this next month that i probably wouldn't have expected them to win anyway you know they play at utah at denver on a back-to-back they play at milwaukee they host the lakers and the rockets and all those games you know they could pull a couple of them and losing vooch makes it harder to win those games but actually the ones that you win in this sort of a circumstance the games that you want the most are clear losses and clear wins because that yeah. way the injury doesn't affect it as much so then it's more the pacers pistons of the world that are going to be bigger problems for them they do have a couple of those games but broadly i think this is a fairly favorable slate for the magic unless this is a deeper tailspin than i expect which is of course possible yeah i mean it could uh, all fall down as a house of cards and certainly i mean they they could be close to the worst offense in the league at this point yeah i'm very interested to see now if especially if bomba disappoints i know he's a big part of their future in theory uh, probably not in practice given how bad he's been at the start but yeah maybe they do find some times to go with isaac at center aaron gordon alfred camino had who had been out of the rotation briefly now he, he becomes a more critical part as well and yeah maybe you can do some more switching as well that's something that they could try with Fultz, fournier gordon isaac and aminu maybe you can just switch everything one through five i mean it's quite possible actually that their defense already very good could get better in the absence of Vucevic so he's really important their offense is gonna suck but maybe the defense uh, can keep them afloat here let's turn to Philly Zach Lowe wrote a piece today I just thought this was newsworthy that in fact they never offered him a five-year maximum contract on June 30th the him here being Jimmy Butler oh did I never say his name yeah that's bad they yeah Philly never offered Zach Lowe a five-year maximum contract uh, on June 30th now there's a lot of he said he said here where Butler said there was something going on there it seemed like everything was done well ahead of time so it could just be semantics of not offering it to him on June 30th maybe they made it clear that they would offer it I don't think that they did though I think because even before it seemed like Butler had a specific landing zone he was always trying they're always leaks about where he might go trying to drum up interest and the Sixers always seemed a little bit more focused on Tobias Harris whom they gave up more to get and Butler was so focused on getting a max deal you remember that was a, a big part of why he wanted to get traded somewhere where he had the full bird rights that he could re-sign and I have a feeling if they would have offered the five-year max uh, he would have more seriously considered going back there we'll see uh, I do think that with this current team whether Butler or Harris on a five-year max it would be better who knows but neither of them has looked unbelievable to start this season so uh, ultimately, it doesn't surprise me to know that I had assumed, in fact, that they had never offered him that five-year max. I had assumed so as well, especially considering some of the reported acrimony during last season. Yeah. And then also... Uh, well, as- well, oh, here's another thing too. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. But they remember it was known very early on, we didn't know who the team was, at least publicly, that Al Horford... That's exactly where I was going. Yeah, yeah. yeah would, would So it seems like maybe, you know, as early as like mid-June, they just decided they'd rather have Horford at 
his price than Butler at his. And we know that there are at least murmurs a lot earlier than when free agency starts, whether you want to call that tampering or just conversations that happen. And so if they knew of of somebody that they liked more than Butler that would be available at the price that they had, then it makes sense. And I mean, a lot of the other guys involved in the, the Sixers thing pivoted awfully quickly, like JJ Redick. You know, it wasn't like he was waiting out there for a while to see what the Sixers were going to do. So not really surprised when teams have their ducks more in a row than is known publicly at the time. And there can be a kind of an understanding of silence in those circumstances for logical reasons. Kind of odd news out of Portland, where Portland has waived Pau Gasol. Uh, he hasn't been able to rehab his left foot after the surgery that he had a season ago. Remember, it, it, no one remembers that he was actually on the Bucks last year and then just wasn't able to play for them. Uh, hasn't been able to get healthy with the Blazers taking on Carmelo Anthony and in the tax they had an exhibit three protection for that left foot with Gasol and since he wasn't able to be ready yet uh, they waived him it sounds like he's going to stick around potentially in a coaching role he's staying in portland to rehab maybe he just really likes the food there not sure how good the opera is in portland necessarily but it does seem like this maybe is just a precursor to the blazers saving some money and that he could even be back with them when in fact he's healthy they just didn't want to pay him to do that and pay tax money that's kind of what this seems like ultimately to me here leaving reading the tea leaves i mean now they certainly had the contractual right to do this but it seems like they're all on the same page here with that in sacramento uh marvin bagley had an x-ray on his right thumb and he's progressing along but he is not currently playing on sacramento's four game road trip we'll talk about this in the 15 and 60 but i thought they were functionally dead in the water for the playoffs and with not with bagley being out but with deer and fox and and them being able to handle those injuries has been really impressive yeah, the Suns have fallen back just a little bit lately. I'm still not a believer in the Wolves. Mavs are looking real good. Uh, but there's still a chance here for the Kings, especially, I mean, the way they've been able to tread water. Their defense has looked really good lately. Uh, if they can just tread water and even be close to 500 when Fox comes back, that last spot in the East looks, or in the West, I should say, looks like it's going to be, you know, maybe a game or two above 500 as of this point. Um, and that's the good news for the Blazers as well, who obviously have struggled really badly. In Chicago, Otto Porter's return has been pushed back at least two weeks. He underwent a subsequent MRI of his left foot, and that revealed bone bruising, which was not on the original MRI and was consistent with the symptoms that he was having so that they're going to give him at least another two weeks. And the Bulls currently 5-10 and after a win over the Pistons on Wednesday night. But... As we talked about, the bottom of the East is soft enough that if they could play even a little bit better, they have they have a shot. Yeah, I mean, if you think of all these teams that are 5-10, and 10, especially in the East, like, if you could just play 500 ball after this, you're actually, you know, 39-43, and 43, like, that probably gets you in. You know, I mean, the, none of these teams are sunk as of now. Yeah, they have played terribly, and that does not augur well for them potentially playing 500 ball in the future. Although the, the Bulls net rating is not that bad, but especially with the Nets being so bad, I mean, they're just... They're just aren't that many bad teams I mean, the, the wizards could even kind of still be in it if if the hawks had any kind of a bench at all uh it's really uh, god the east sucks uh san antonio Derek white missed wednesday's game against the wizards soreness in his left foot that is the same foot that he suffered from plantar fasciitis in last year where he missed some time early in the season that's not encouraging uh, 
at all for him we, we don't know how long of an absence he'll be looking at here the spurs are not generally too forthcoming about such details and, and the, in new york yeah sorry no that's fine uh kyrie irving is going to miss his fourth straight game with a shoulder impingement also never a good sign we're recording this on thursday when a player is ruled out a day early for their pending return yeah it seems like he still is like not able to do anything in practice right now and also other new york point guard injuries with the knicks alfred payton that hamstring injury continues to to uh be clear how significant that was he's only going to be reevaluated 10 more days uh from wednesday so gonna be a while there i i've always they've played better in his limited minutes i don't really see the point of him on this team with his lack of shooting ability but uh, and nilakina has started to come on they still need to find out what they have in dennis smith but scott perry likes alfred payton uh but scott perry's feelings for alfred payton pale in comparison to my feelings for goat.com g-o-a-t.com the greatest of all time in terms of buying shoes whether it's yeezys jordans off-whites i got a great pair of reebok kamikaze twos sean kemp's from there if you're gonna buy sneakers and we know what awesome sneakers cost these days you better be sure that they're the real thing and goat make sure that they are ranging from new releases to rare finds exclusive drops it's the global destination for authentic sneakers and the way it works is they work with these vetted sellers who then send the shoes to goat they have a number of experts that know the size the weight the color of the stitching the smell of a pair of new jordans every detail is inspected before any shoe is sold and then they send them to you they've got over 15 million users buying and selling verified shoes every day at goat you'll find exactly what you want at the best price possible but act now before exactly what you want may be gone the way to get started with them is goat.com slash capspace easy to remember slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program. That's G-O-A-T, goat.com, slash capspace. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. All right, so the way we're going to do this here is each of us are just going to take turns nominating our individual player games of the decade talk about our memories of those games some of the stats from them and then we'll pick uh, our top three and our best individual player game of the decade well well, should we should we start with the distinction that we're kind of exempting one person from the initial discussion because he has his own set category (laughs) yeah 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 there's an entire lebron james category here uh so we'll uh is it more impactful if we sprinkle him in or should we just do all of them at once maybe we should just do all of them at once just so that we and he's got like eight of them on here i mean and these are remember this is just lebron playoff performances i mean the the definitive playoff playoff guy of the decade i mean player both regular season and playoffs partially because of how many runs his teams had i mean you think about that the based on the way the nba does this this includes the 2010 season when he was on cleveland all of his miami tenure all of his second cleveland tenure and then theoretically it would have included last year but the lakers didn't make the playoffs so you have a lot to work from and remember they made the finals basically every single year of that run so you have so many lebron things to work with and he was of course integral in that for me the the i mean you could go with a couple of different lebron performances but when i was going through it one that really stuck with me that i had kind of forgotten about a little bit was in 2010 10, as a member of the Cavaliers, he uh, they they played the Bulls and they lost game three, and then he she dropped thirty seven. 37-
seven, twelve, and eleven on them in an absolute blowout. It it didn't end the series, but it functionally ended the series. And I mean, I thought a lot of those those early aughts, those early twenty tens Bulls teams, and so I really liked that performance. Of course, you can go. There, yeah. there are a lot of other ones that we'll discuss. Yeah, I mean that was still in the Vinny Del Negro days. So that wasn't that wasn't Tom Thibodeau wasn't the coach yet. It wasn't right. that real Bulls defense. But yeah, I mean that was the series when he just had that dunk on James Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was completely ridiculous. Also, that series at the very end, I think of Game Five, he injured his elbow and then even shot a free throw left-handed and then it was that elbow i mean, remember lebron's elbow had like its own twitter account and he shot the head maybe the most disappointing playoff game of his career in game five of that series against the celtics when he was three out of 14 they got completely blown out of, and that, that was it for the lebron cleveland era but it, he was absolutely dominating as you mentioned in that first round bull series as he had in the previous playoffs and then it just fell apart for him in part maybe because of that elbow injury. All right, we're just going to do the whole LeBron category here. Is that, it's, let's just save that till the end, actually. Okay. Let's, let's not overshadow some of these other people. Uh, this is a game that stuck out to me, not necessarily because of its statistical brilliance, although it still was really, really good. I thought it was only a 36-point performance, but it was overshadowed by Clay's Game 6, which uh, ah, will be appearing on this list, I'm sure. Steph Curry's Game 7 against Oklahoma City in 2016, 7-12 from 3, 6-12 from 2, and basically... Basically, every single one of those threes was created in an ISO, just impossible shot. And I remember thinking at the time, wow, okay, Steph Curry is actually back from this injury, as it turned out, whether it was the injury or he wore down or it just was feeling really good that day. He did not have a, a good finals in the end of that season. But that game with nobody else really playing particularly well for the Warriors. Uh, they ended up winning it. It was pretty close late. He only shot three free throws in that game. It was a 96-88 win. And the three free throws were just a three-shot foul late by Serge Ibaka. But just the quality of the shot making in that game gets forgotten about. People kind of think it was like, oh, it's a fait accompli that Golden State was going to win that game seven. O- Oklahoma City actually led by double digits in the first half of that game uh, before Golden State came back. And I just, just the taking his, his team on his back level of that performance that's always going to be overshadowed do yourself a favor and just go back and watch the highlights of that game because he just had some absolutely ridiculous three-point shots uh, to take golden state home uh, in uh, a classic classic series i'll go with for for a nominee what might be the best game so far of the nba cast which was for as a, for an individual as well as everything else which is damian lillard 50 point performance including a comeback that was a wild wild game against oklahoma city game five of the first round last year 50 points but then culminating in the three-pointer over paul george and the wave off which has gained additional significance in the passage of time because it was the wave off for that era of oklahoma city basketball russ and paul george but it was a spectacular performance by lillard himself it gets weakened a little bit because the stakes weren't as high it wasn't an elimination game for portland and they i think they would have won the series anyway but he was phenomenal well and it's one of the few games on this list that actually ended in a buzzer beater right as well i mean that's that to me i mean some of the things that i considered here just the the stakes and the historical significance of these games we'll do a separate category just for some memorable regular season games i didn't focus on those as much i know you looked at those a little bit more uh the clutch play obviously it gets magnified in some of these games uh 
just uh, the statistical craziness obviously and then just the individual brilliant brilliance had to be there watching it factor of just you know how much it's seared in your memory and that one obviously i mean that the way he just waved goodbye got mobbed by his teammates afterwards 37 foot buzzer beater step back to his right i mean that's maybe the craziest shot in nba playoff history when you think about uh, all that and yeah you know they were kind of running on fumes in that series uh, yeah they're uh, and I know they were up by three to one in the series, but it probably could have gone seven if they had lost that game. They did seem to be kind of sputtering towards the end. And that the incredible series that he had to take down a rival in Russell Westbrook, who had uh, been giving him a, a ton of shit over the years. So yeah, that, that one is awesome. I'm going to nominate one that people probably haven't thought about i mean 2009-10 is part of this decade not necessarily a classic season but uh kobe bryant's game six against phoenix he also had a 40 point game in game one but this was on the road you remember that game or, or that series lakers killed them in the first two games phoenix came back they started playing a zone in the second two games an absolute classic in game five where Jason Richardson hit a three to tie it, and then the air ball from Kobe Ron Artest with the putback to put the Lakers up in that series. But then game six, you thought it was going to go back to a game seven, and the Lakers had not done well in Phoenix in that series. And then Kobe in the fourth quarter just absolutely went off. They kept giving him the ball on the right wing against poor Grant Hill. Phoenix didn't have anyone to guard him at that time. Grant Hill was still a decent player but you know couldn't guard Kobe Bryant at that point in his career and he was just hitting impossible long twos and even at that time there was an understanding that hey long twos may not be great and you're just like well if every single one of them goes in it doesn't matter (laughs) and that's what was happening with him he just like ripped the sun's soul out in that game six and those are the kind of there's like a type of game that i really enjoy too kind of the uh and that one was later in the series um but the on the road oh oh you thought you're you were going to be in the series no no actually uh i'm way too good for that this series is going to be over i i really enjoy those kind of games and and as a testament to lebron there are like five of those against the raptors that we're not even going to mention because of all the <laughs> yeah. other ones that he had and uh so i'm gonna go with clay's game six i mean i've rewatched that game i believe more times than any game in my professional career and the reason why is because it is incredibly not just clay's performance the overall one because it's very important for the arc of the league in terms of that Oklahoma City team. I mean, we don't know the full story about whether Kevin Durant would have gone anyway. And part of the what makes that game amazing uh, from Clay's performance standpoint is, you know, it wasn't the greatest statistical performance, 14 to 31 from the field, though he was 11 of 18 on three-pointers. It's that nobody else on the Warriors was playing well. The Thunder were the Thunder were doing their thing. They weren't they weren't at the same level of the Megadeth lineup a couple days before. And Clay was he was the saving grace. He was the he was the reason and while that season ended up turning out very differently, that individual performance against the quality of opposition really stands out to me as an important game. And then it, it like talking about stakes and legacy and everything else, it was an elimination game for the Warriors. Huge, huge performance. I also kind of enjoy these games just aesthetically where you're doing it on fewer free throws. I mean, sometimes the free throws are just an indication of they just can't stop you and they just have to follow you. But there's also, it's just, it's less exciting to watch. Like, it's just more enjoyable to watch a field goal go through the basket. There's no ambiguity about whether you score should have gotten the call or not. 
uh and clay in that game only had two free throws three of 13 from two as you mentioned but yeah that one the historical significance also just the way that series felt where especially in oklahoma city it just didn't seem like golden state could do it they're getting overwhelmed physically it was just impossible it seemed like for them to get good shots and so clay thompson just made a bunch of really really bad shots and i mean the one that i'll always remember from that game was the spread legs top of the key 29 footer over russell westbrook just a preposterous shot like no one even shoots the ball with their body in that position and then of course he hit that shot uh, under two minutes left off an andre guadala steal that actually put them up for good in the game and obviously he played great defense in that game as well this is one that again statistically wasn't that unbelievable but chris paul's game seven in 2015 against san antonio he had a wonderful series in that series but then about halfway through the first quarter pulled up lame with the the hamstring injury Uh, i'm sorry through the first half it was in the second quarter i think on a fast break and he left you thought he wasn't coming back he did come back he clearly was on one leg and then he hit that incredible game winner uh, on the bank shot coming down the lane on the right side to, to win. I mean, it's just an, and I mean, you know, that hamstring injury was bad because he missed the first two games of the next series against Houston. And yeah, they, the Clippers had that meltdown in the next round, but that series, that 2015 series is going to be up there when we talk about the best series of the decade later. Uh, and especially to beat the defending champs, a supposed playoff choker to have that kind of a game, that kind of a series it was unbelievable. Let's do a LeBron interlude. I think this is the most interesting one, especially because it was a series that we saw a lot of in person. LeBron at 2016 NBA Finals, five, six, or seven. Which is which of those is the to you the best performance? I thought it was Game Five. Uh, yeah, Draymond wasn't playing in that game, but and we could throw Kyrie's 41 points. Yeah, the, in that, the, game that was too. that. For those who don't remember, Game Five was the double 41s. Both Kyrie, yeah. the the best. T- duo performance i've ever seen in person at any level in any game yeah i mean i was actually sitting in the stands for that game uh, a buddy of mine was able to get tickets it's pretty good seats it's probably like you know maybe like 10th row uh towards one of the corners and i really got a sense of just how impossible the shot making was from Kyrie in that game and lebron was more just physically overwhelming everyone especially with no draymond out there he was able to just get to the cup uh he had found his jumper again after basically like a year and a half where he couldn't make a jump shot uh and but it was really like Kyrie's performance actually stuck out to me a little bit more in that game just because of some of the shots that he was making in the face of clay thompson just you know dribbling to a spot at the elbow creating space fading away like there's just so many shots if you go back and watch that game where you're just like wow that is absolutely as good a defense as you can play and it doesn't matter and so that one, I mean, then he had 41 the next game as they completely destroyed Golden State. Yeah. They're up by 20 in the first quarter. And then obviously that game seven too. Um, only nine out of 24 from the field in that game. But uh, that huge block at the end and just, you know, being being the only guy at the end who really had the energy to take it through. I I, I thought, I mean, the, that, that particular run of three games might be the best three game playoff run in NBA history especially when you factor in that the all three were elimination games for the Cavs and that they needed basically every ounce of that and I really liked his game six performance as well like I think part of one of the things and that we dealt with this for like for example in some of in Steph Curry's first MVP year part of the reason that game doesn't resonate
resonate with people is that he was so good that it wasn't close. Like that was the game when the Cavs went up. I think they were up 15 in the first quarter. But yeah, 41 on 16 to 27 from the field, 11 assists, four steals, three blocks, eight rebounds. It was a, a really thoroughly dominant performance. And that remember Draymond was back. That was a very different one. Um, do you want to run through just briefly some some honorable mentions, which are like to well, tell this? Let's let's do, do those at the end. Actually. Okay, sure. So those ones. Uh, let's get all. Do the you have ones any clear nominees really... left then? I'm sorry. Do you have any then like real nominees left? Oh yeah, yeah. No. I, well, there's the LeBron category, but also, no, I've got a few more that I wanted okay. that I think at least uh, I would put up there among the real nominees. Uh, Dirk Davitsky's game one against OKC in 2011, um, 24 of 24 from the following. Incidentally, Kevin Durant also had 40 in that game on 18 shots. He was 18 and 19 from the line. So it seemed like the, the refs might have been uh, a little bit foul happy. Um, but Dirk was also 12 of 15 from the field and 24 of 24 from the line. I mean, that's, and it didn't, didn't hit a three, but 48 points. That was just a, an unbelievable game for him and also indicative of where he was but i think actually probably my favorite dirk game that year was game two of the 2011 finals it wasn't a statistical tour de force in the end he had only 24 points in the game but he went off at the end and then had the game winning layup over chris bosh and my recollection of that series w- was that he was awesome. He wasn't that great. He only 53% true shooting against, you know, a great, great defensive team. Back when they were playing a true center, arguably that was their best defensive group of, of that era, the, the Miami Heat. Uh, and they also had Udonis Haslam, who had shut down Nowitzki in the finals a few years earlier. But that game, they came back from 15 down in the fourth quarter in the last six minutes just an incredible incredible comeback and Dirk had the last nine points of that game to give him the victory so obviously that that game one against OKC was more of a statistical tour de force uh we'll nominate that one but I thought that game two against Miami and just the end of it part of being part of that comeback against a team that they just had no business beating uh was incredible also the other thing that we should nominate is there are a couple different candidates kind of like LeBron's 2016 finals for Kawhi's Sixers series last year I mean you could look at oh I have a clear favorite in that I'm guessing it's game seven no uh because he's only 16 to 39 from the field certainly that one deserves but but there's see I think there's the reason why I would go with game seven statistically it's the worst of the three that I would discuss it's one four and seven but remember how game sevens are you know that 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 was a 92 90 game that was just just an absolute rock fight and it gets the tiebreaker of the bounce 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 drop which was i mean it ended up being the being the definitive shot of the postseason i think you can make an argument of that and but yeah i mean four was the dominant performance and then i want to mention also because i think you're going to go four game one Kawhi dropped 45 in his most efficient game and was plus 26 in 38 minutes yeah the reason i liked that game four the best in that series was because he had 39 points did it on 13 of 20 from the field actually it was only eight out of 12 from the free throw line interesting enough five of seven from three also had five assists remember that pascal siakam had suffered that calf injury the get the game before he only played 28 minutes really was not a factor at all in that game fred van vliet was in the throes of not being able to make a shot danny green in the game was one out of four he basically was their entire offense nobody scored more than 16 points for them in that game aside from him and he had that ridiculous shot 
going to his right the three-pointer over two guys it was just and they were down 2-1 in the series at that point too and it, it was another one of those games kind of similar to the clay 41 point game where you're just like they're not able to get good shots it feels like they're getting outplayed the whole game and he just individually willed them to victory 43 minutes uh, on uh, that bad wheel that he had at the time so i i like that one the best obviously the game seven was ridiculous the game one was ridiculous i mean that's uh, one of the greatest playoff series of all time that series against the sixers i mean who are an unbelievable deep defensive team that year any other nominees or do you want to do some there are lots of honorable mentions uh the Steph Curry injury return game in game four against Portland in 2016 yeah that is and and that holds a distinction it is the overtime scoring record for any game regular season or postseason 17 points and uh, I mean just a huge performance and, yeah, and 40 for the game 40 for the game so yeah that's that's a worthy inclusion as well well and just because it looked like he was gonna be out for the playoffs after that injury uh, he came back didn't even start the game and then because Sean Livingston got ejected had to play way more minutes than they wanted him to and he absolutely delivered and had that 17 in the overtime uh also uh, the Warriors were down late uh, and I think it was him who set up a three-pointer by Harrison Barnes that, that tied it to send it into overtime and just that that was kind of his season it looked like all was lost when he got injured he came back to put up that type of performance clearly limited as he was there I mean I, I remember at the time that it was just like an unbelievably inspiring performance um all right that's uh now let's get to the LeBron category <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, here, should we do a read first? I think we should. So I'm tell you about a new sponsor, Musician. You will become a musician. It's an online music education platform rethinking the way that people learn music. Private lessons are incredibly expensive. Musician is more affordable and lets you learn on your own schedule. You can even learn music theory, sheet reading, tablature, and also learn how to play thousands of popular songs. They've got dozens of genres, tons of different experts. And you might say, oh, well, wait a minute. It's great to have this, but who's going to actually listen to me play and tell me where I'm screwing up? Oh, well, Musician can do that too. Their award-winning technology actually listens to you play, gives you real-time feedback on your timing and accuracy so you can learn to play your favorite songs faster than ever and have fun doing it. Download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. So if you've been wanting to learn an instrument or simply want some help getting back to playing, check out Musician. You can get an extended 14-day free trial of their Premium Plus package at musician.com slash catspace. It's like musician, but with you on the front. Y-O-U-S-I-C-I-A-N. Musician.com slash catspace. Unlimited lessons, unlimited songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks. Go to musician.com slash capspace, easero slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. To start your free trial today, that's musician.com slash capspace. Okay, the LeBron category. We mentioned a couple of them already. This is kind of a forgotten one. The 2014 playoffs. Remember, 2014 Brooklyn got his supposed nemesis, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. Brooklyn had actually beaten Miami 4-0 in that season series, and... Brooklyn had just won game three of the series to bring it to 2-1, thought they might make a series of it. Oh no, LeBron put up 49, the fifth highest scoring playoff game of the decade in that game four, and that's back in 2014 when 49 points really meant something. And he did it on only 24 shots. He was 14 of 19 from the foul line in 43 minutes to eviscerate what had been a pretty good Brooklyn defense 
and essentially end the series. Uh, another huge LeBron performance, this one in a loss. Um, game one of the 2018 finals, a very memorable game for a bunch of different reasons. Braun goes for 51, 8 and 8, uh, 19 to 32 from the field, made a couple of threes, also got to the line a ton. That game is more known because of the J.R. Smith and meme creation that came from that, but LeBron was absolutely fantastic in regulation of that one. Yeah, also had eight assists. Didn't do a ton from the foul line. It was really maybe the best individual performance that I've ever seen in person. I think the only 50-point playoff game of his career, unless I'm forgetting one from the last decade, which I might be. But I think I remember hearing that at the time. And, I mean, how undermanned his Cleveland team was in that series going against, you know, maybe the greatest collection of talent that we've ever seen. A good defensive team, and they just had absolutely zero answers for him in that game. But slight demerit for the fact that he didn't do anything in overtime. He really was discouraged by the JR thing. And then also demerit for breaking his hand on a chalkboard or sorry, a whiteboard after the game and basically not being the same the rest of the series. Another one that I really, really enjoyed. Game two in the 2018 playoffs against Toronto. Oh, I thought you were going with a different game two of the 2018 Easter Conference playoffs. Oh, no. I I have another one from that series, actually, (laughs) as well. But it's not game two. Uh, But yeah, this one, this was the game on the road. Oh, no, you won't be competing with us in this series. Remember, he also had the crazy game winner in that series off of one foot over OG Ananobi when they didn't double team. And Masai Ujiri was like screaming at Dwayne Casey. Uh, Anytime you get the GM screaming at the coach and then firing him after the series you've probably had a pretty good series um but that wasn't even the game it was remember the raptors had barely lost game one a lot of people had them favored in the series they could have gotten to 60 wins that year and Jonas Valanciunas had all those tip-ins that could have won game one they ended up losing in overtime and then game two was pretty close Toronto was thinking maybe they could get back into the series and LeBron went completely apeshit in the third quarter just started hitting these ridiculous like one foot fadeaways where he was just dribbling into position backing down to maybe like 19 feet and then just fading away over his right shoulder they just had absolutely no one to guard him he was making impossible shot after impossible shot and by the end of that third quarter it was clear that the series was done and it was just like probably the best shot making that we've ever seen from him in terms of jump shooting the one i was alluding to was in the round before that in game two against the pacers a series that ended up going seven he had 46 points 17 to 24 from the field also had 12 rebounds and five assists it was just a huge performance from him in what was i mean we've we've talked about this a couple times like lebron in 2018 put up just an all-timer of a playoff performance yeah unfortunately danny you're way way off because you should have picked game five of that series (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which was <laughs> yeah that was crazy too which was first of all that was a nobody could score in that series i mean it's it's important to remember kind of the tenor of these series sometimes that like it's not just about your raw box score but just where it is in terms of anyone else like kevin love was two for 11 in that game jr smith was 0 for 8 this is the game five that i'm talking about the only other guy in the entire team who played well was kyle corver who had 19 points nobody else had more than 11 and lebron had 44 points eight assists 10 rebounds 15 of 15 from the foul line 14 of 24 from the field alas he did have one blemish only one of four from three. Oh, except he hit the game winning three-pointer 
to win it 98-95 from basically the same spot as he had nine years earlier to beat the Orlando Magic in the conference finals uh, Uh, off an inbounds play. A great stat from that game. LeBron had, this is using basketball references version of these stats. LeBron had 40.5 usage and a 61.5 assist percentage. So basically, he had his hand in everything. I mean, there were only a few baskets that he didn't score or assist on. And remember, he didn't play the whole game. He played 42 minutes of 48. Yeah, and I picked that one, though, because he hit the game winner at the end as well. And if they had lost that game... I mean, the game two as well. I mean, that was another one where they'd gotten killed in the first game and barely won that one. Uh, that was the also the game two, the one you were talking about, was the Victor Oladipo three fouls game where Kevin Love jumped to the side into him to give him a, put him in foul trouble. And then Nate McMillan fouled him out of the game. Uh, and I think they outscored them by like over 10 points when Oladipo is in the game, but he just didn't play enough. And that's how Cleveland was able to win. So they could have gone down 2-0. And then could have gone up, uh, uh, could have gone down three two, but those two games were absolutely heroic. Um, what else you got here for LeBron? <laughs> I mean, we should talk about another another game against Indiana on the road in 2012, going all the way back there. Uh, it was an, a, a higher leverage one because I mean, people remember that was when Chris Bosh got hurt, and so Miami had to reshuffle their identity during that 2012 playoffs that ended up bearing some real fruit because then they they figured out they figured out some of the the things that ended up. Being important for not only 2012 but then 13 and 14 but lebron was absolutely massive in that one too yeah and they were down 2-1 and he and wade just brought them back uh but yeah that that was a ridiculous one 44 minutes 40 points 18 rebounds they'd been getting bludgeoned uh, on the glass but he, he picked up the slack there six offensive rebounds nine assists yeah that was another one of those we're in danger oh no we're not i'm gonna take care of things and then probably the one that people still remember as his best playoff game when it looked like he was on the road to yet another playoff disappointment where i mean you remember the narrative from the 2011 finals you know in lebron the most crazy number about that 2011 finals that disappointed so much he only had 22 percent usage in that 2011 finals uh but so he's coming off of that again Bosch is down they go down 3-2 partially the result of a game that's going to appear on our honorable mentions by Rajon Rondo and then again back when these numbers really meant something against a great great defensive team 19 of 26 from the field 17 of 22 on twos and he did it on almost all mid-rangers too I mean he just there was no space he could not get to the basket remember Bosch is still out at this point he came back in game seven and hit a couple of threes with that oblique injury but 45 points they were down 3-2 the sky was falling if they had lost game five at home to go down 3-2 and lebron james give you the two palms to the floor calm down gesture and that's the one that really was the first legacy defining game especially as they then of course went on to win the championship over okc in the finals in five oh uh, let, let's do a couple honorable mentions before we do our, our each of our respective oh I've, i do have i actually have one more nominee uh, game that i wanted to nominate that sure. i that slipped past me here and that is kevin durant game four 2016 western conference semifinals against san antonio they're down 2-1 in that series san antonio had won 67 games that year they were a massive favorite okc had won game two in controversial fashion that was the Manu ginobili Dion waiters inbound play that that led to a, a crazy scramble and they're down going into the fourth quarter kd goes absolutely crazy i think he had 19 in the fourth finished with 41 for the game 
14 to 25, 11 to 16 from two. And most importantly, he completely locked up Kawhi Leonard, who had been destroying the Spurs early in that series. People remember Robertson shutting him down. He actually kind of had his way with Robertson, as I recall, early in that series. And then KD guarded Kawhi, was unstoppable on the other end. And that was really the game that tied that series. Then they won game five and blew him out in game six. But it looked like San Antonio was going to win that series until KD just came through with that crazy performance in the fourth quarter that to me still is probably his best individual playoff game that i've ever seen him play yeah. when you consider what he did on both ends and who the opponent was i would say degree of difficulty pushes that over game three and the 2018 finals where he was also great we don't need to go through that it was an it was one that yeah. i would have put as a that, nominee. that's that's an honorable mention i yeah, think i think so too so, so should we do the honorable mentions do we have any other lebron ones i think that's, I, I think uh, that's i think that's all we need for <laughs> I mean, there. It's crazy. Like we didn't even include all like the he had this ass kicking of the of the Hawks, and there was a, ga- a crazy one against the Magic. Like some of those statistical games. Like I, there were a couple like quirky. Oh no, those were oh nine. That was a different year. Um, those don't count as this decade. Um, but you know, this is just LeBron. He's just he's just ridiculous. Uh, but so in terms of the honorable mentions, the one that I want to start with is what in many ways is one of the most memorable playoff performances of the decade, and that's Isaiah Thomas. Thomas dropping 53 on the Wizards on what was not only shortly after his sister's passing on, but would have been her birthday, was was one of the most emotional games I can recall, but also just a definitive Isaiah performance. I'm so happy that it happened. And I mean, just dominated the Wizards that night. Yeah, he had 53 points. And also, we later found out was doing it on one hip. I mean, that was, uh, I think, I want to say it was game two would be the last game he would play. The next series would be the last game he would play in a Boston uniform. We had no idea what he was going through health wise at that time. And obviously, there's the the tragic death of his sister as well. And yeah, I mean, that was just an unbelievable performance uh, with that 53 points uh, and the highest scoring playoff game of the decade. Worth noting, there's only been five 50 point playoff games in this decade the other two that we haven't mentioned this one has to be on there just as an honorable mention that it happened kevin durant had 50 points but 38 in the first half against the clippers last year in game six of the first round um and then the one that we will not be considering was russell westbrook on 43 shots in game one of the 2017 first round against houston which uh, a game i think they lost as well but uh that that was not beautiful basketball and not a great performance but the 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 other four are on there dame's 50 and lebron's 51 that we already talked about Another nominee, and it is amazing to think how differently this game would be considered had things outside of his control gone differently, and that's Draymond's Game 7 of the 2016 Finals. He was the only Warrior who played well, and he was phenomenal. 32 points, 15 rebounds, 9 assists, 11 of 15 from the field, and 5 of 7 from 3. And if the Warriors had done anything in the last few minutes of that game, if the whole Festus Azili anderson Verjao thing hadn't happened, the Draymond Green redemption story could have been a, a really a really different coda for the 2016 season and i mean the yeah, Cavs deserve but- everything that they got lebron kyrie everybody but draymond's game seven is a definitive performance in and of itself yeah and they played great defense in that game they of did. course which, which he was a big part of another one that people will f- forget about steph curry uh, we, this is a, a i got three of these for him his 47 points in game three against the raptors last year on a completely undermanned team against one of the greatest defense of all time especially his first quarter where i think they 
he essentially created every single bucket that they had and Kerr left him in for so much of the second half even when they were down and then he clearly was just totally worn out by game four uh, by that uh but that that was just uh, considering how utterly undermanned they were with no clay in that game remember because he had the hamstring obviously no kd basically no depth <laughs> uh i mean it, he was the only score that they had you know demarcus cousins was like their second best score probably uh that was a, an incredible game in defeat and still one of the highest scoring playoff games of the decade tied for the eighth highest scoring playoff game of the decade uh also this was both of these games were the going on the road in game three and oh no you won't be winning these series games 2015 against houston 40 points seven of nine from three you remember at one point he turned around and stared into the crowd and this was in only 35 minutes that 40 points basically came in three quarters and 12 of 19 overall from the field nine to ten from the foul and that basically ended that series put him up 3-0 and then another one was 40 points in an overtime win against new orleans wasn't as efficient in that game but also had that crazy three in the corner to tie it after he had missed the first one most spates got the rebound and sent out to it. it should have been a four-point play to win the game but then they they went on to win in overtime that was just a, a classic game as well because they were down by 20 with like six minutes left in that game and came back to win that was uh one of the one of the early death lineup games any other honorable mentions for you no i think that's it all right, I've got a couple more here I'll mention briefly. Rajon Rondo, which I mentioned, 2012 East Finals. Game two, even though Miami won this game to go up 2-0 in the series. I'd forgotten that, actually. I thought Boston had won one of the first two. So, yeah, that, that's part of why that LeBron game six was so crazy, because Boston actually had won three in a row in the series. But Rondo, in a loss, had 44 points. One of the rare games in his career uh, that he had the jumper working. 10 assists, 8 rebounds. Also one of the rare games in his career that he shot double-digit free throws. Bit of an outlier. But uh, the other crazy thing about that game, it was an overtime game. And he played all 53 minutes to get to that 44 points and 10 assists. Anthony Davis had 47 against Portland last year to close them out in game four. Drew Holiday also had 40 in that game. Um, CJ McCollum, a couple of his games against Denver were worth noting 41 points in 60 minutes against the Nuggets in game three, which they won. And then he also, one of the better game seven performances, especially on the road, 37 points to beat Denver. That was another one of those just rock fight games where nobody else could score except for him. Um, these are memorable and probably forgotten. Lamarcus Aldridge had 46 and 43 points in games one and two of the 2014 first round against Houston as Portland won both of those games on the road. I remember that they had Omer Ashik trying to guard him. They had to go with two bigs with Ashik and Howard just to get someone who could guard him. You know, I think I, I can't remember who it was. It was like, you know, Terrence Jones and like Denise Yunus trying to guard Aldridge and he just absolutely cooked them in both those first two games. Then they adjusted. He didn't do much at the end of the series. Aldridge also had a 43 point game in game one of that 2016 series against OKC a lot of pick and pops but uh, he would kind of trail off later in these these series after the huge games but I mean 40 46 and 43 in back-to-back games I mean that doesn't happen too often in the playoffs uh especially again 2014 was not this crazy offensive environment that we're in now 
Um, you wanted to talk about a few regular season games, though. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I mean, the stakes are obviously very different, but to me, the there are two that really deserve headlines, and they are, one of them is a definitive MVP clinching game, the other one is pretty much that, and so the first one I'll talk about is, is Russell Westbrook. In April of his MVP season in Denver, 50 points, 16, I think it was 15.16 rebounds, 10 assists, and the game-winning shot. That was basically, remember, that was the year that it, a lot of people just kind of went, okay, now it's undeniable. He was he was the, ever, the everything man in the fourth quarter of that game. And then the other one was the guy he beat in the MVP that year, the next year, James Harden. I had honestly forgotten that this was all in regulation, that it was, that it hadn't gone to overtime. Harden with the 60-point triple-double, 60, 10, and 11 in a game against the Magic in 2018. I believe it was January of 2018. That was a part of, I mean, his MVP race. A couple other ones that are worth mentioning just because they're interesting. Anthony Davis dropping 59 and 20 on Drummond and the Pistons in 2016. Kevin Love's 31 and 31 against the Knicks in 2010. And then the trio of ridiculous Klay Thompson performances in regular season games this decade. The lo- the weakest of the three, the 14 made three-pointers, which is the NBA record. So that's, that's one. Then the other two, 37 and a quarter against the Kings, still the NBA record. And the maybe the most ridiculous performance, ridiculous not necessarily meaning best, but ridiculous meaning ridiculous performance I've ever seen in person. 60 points in three quarters against the Pacers, including 11 dribbles and 90 seconds touching the ball, which was just and they didn't play in the fourth quarter because they were up by a billion and that was it was just a completely insane game and performance from his part another one that has to be in there Steph Curry against Oklahoma City in maybe the greatest regular season game of all time including the 38 foot bomb to beat them he had 46 points he tied what was then the NBA record with 12 three-pointers he later broke that uh to 13 and then clay broke it to 14 over the next two years but 12 of 16 from three remember he also injured his ankle and ended up playing only 38 minutes despite it being an overtime game but 46 points six assists and that was just an incredibly memorable basketball game that was the draymond tirade at halftime against steve kerr uh draymond had did not make a field goal the uh, the i'm not a fucking robot tirade right yeah but also had 14 rebounds 14 assists six steals and four blocks in that game kd had a ridiculous game the warriors had to have a, a crazy comeback at the end just to tie it up andre guadala hitting two free throws um and that would of course presage the great playoff series uh, between the, those two teams people could still listen to that podcast right that i think that was one of my yeah. favorite episodes we ever did yeah we're just like fuck it we're gonna record on a saturday night after this thing and we, uh, i think we both rewatched the whole game yeah um it was it was incredible two other ones that i wanted one one is a note and one is a game note that rajon rondo has the highest assist total in a regular season game with 25 and a playoff game for this decade that's a pretty awesome distinction for him and my favorite box score anomaly game of the decade was draymond green finishing one point short of a triple double five by five he had 11 rebounds 10 assists 10 steals, 5 blocks, and 4 points. It was a game at Memphis in 2017. Just so unbelievably bizarre. Yeah, Carmelo Anthony's 62-point game has also got to be in there. LeBron's 60-point uh, game has got to be in there. I think that were both of those against the the Bobcats? I, I know at least one of them was. Melo's definitely was. I can't remember who LeBron's was against. Uh, it might have been against... No, it wasn't against the Knicks. That was Kobe who had like 60 against the Knicks. Uh, but that was last well, and, decade. And we should note, even though it's not a nominee or anything like this, the highest scoring game of the decade was Devin Booker, 70. But there's a pretty big, and at least in my mind, asterisk on that because of how it happened. Yeah, with him just like... The, them just like fouling to get the him to 70 feeds, and they're yeah. down by 15. Yeah, that was... Uh, 
Earl Watson special. Um, okay, give me your top three. The hardest spot in some ways for me with this is actually the third spot. I my, I feel pretty confident in my my two and my one. I'm gonna can I can I do a co number three of LeBron and Kyrie in the same game? I mean that the 2016 <laughs> game five. It, both of them were incredible for different reasons. I thought LeBron also. We didn't talk about that. He played a very good game defensively, from what I recall. In that one, number two for me, when you consider all of the other factors, Clay's game six in 2016, the Western Conference Finals was a a remarkable performance that kept a team in it and in a very similar fashion my number one is lebron james over the in td garden over the celtics because the degree of difficulty they needed there was a must-win game that celtics team was incredible defensively and with chris bosh being out that the heat needed that from lebron and while the game wasn't as close as clay's performance it i think a he had more on the line and b it was just a different era then, and so when you when you look at LeBron putting up, you know, really strong stats, you remember, you know, like so he put up, I think it was forty six. No, that was a different. That was a different game. But he, I mean, he was just absolutely incredible in that one. And yeah, it was forty five. Was forty five. Yeah, fifteen and five. And remember, he's doing that against Garnett and and Pierce and and that Celtics team that had vexed him so much that, given the context and the significance and everything else, I think I think that's the pretty strong number one. Oof, man, this is so hard to do. All right, the, I'll, I'll give you the the ones that are really up there for me. Uh, the Clay forty one, the Lillard game five. I mean, the, yeah, I get it was only the first round. I get that they're already ahead in the series but to drop 50 and to hit that ridiculous shot and to have that celebration afterwards against a a rival like that i mean ultimately i guess it has to fall out because it just it didn't mean i mean they did make it to the west finals ultimately but you know it just didn't mean enough in the grand scheme of nba history i think you got to throw oh man it's so hard for me to choose between game seven and game four of of Kawhi last year against philly i guess you probably got to just go with game seven just because of the way he willed it with the 39 shots and that crazy shot at the end and that you know that moment being one of like the greatest shots in nba history so i'll probably put that one at number three clay's 41 would be number two and yeah i mean i really wish i could pick one of those lebron performances and uh it's almost like they're splitting the vote though in in 2016 so i think i i think i'll go with that same one that you did the game in boston uh, especially because that was back when 45 points really meant something although i will say i mean the greatest i think i've ever seen someone play over the course of a game and you can't pick it because it was in a loss but that 51 in game one of 2018 but by LeBron I mean I think that's like the highest level I ever recall seeing someone play in one game all right we got a little time left here let's do uh, some quick nominees here for best series I think a good place to start are the the players with multiple games that we considered in the same series. One of those is Kawhi in the 2019 second round against the Sixers. One, four, seven were all spectacular. They needed everything from him in that series to to get it. So I don't think it wins partially because it was a second round series, but it was ended up being their toughest their toughest test on the way to the championship. Yeah, I mean that one's going to be in the top three for me. Dirk in 2011 against OKC. We mentioned that crazy. 48 point game that he had that okc team was a pretty good opponent they made it to the finals the next year averaged 32 points in that series 70 percent true shooting 32 percent usage pretty damn impressive especially again back at a time when those types of numbers were pretty crazy i mean you know the, the average game in that series was 105 101 
and that series also was a little bit closer than people remember it was a five gamer but there are a, a couple of really close games in that one what else came to mind for you i mean with with lebron i think it narrows i mean there you there are a lot of different great performances but in terms of series the three that came to mind were yeah 2012 that series against the celtics we, we both picked his his game six as being the best the best individual performance of the decade he was great overall in that series 2018 against the pacers you get into kind of some of the Kawhi stuff where they did need everything from him and he was fantastic but it wasn't an early round series and everything else like that and then i mean you know the 2016 nba finals with probably the definitive performance of this decade overall yeah lebron also did you mention that 2018 series against the pacers i did yeah Yeah. i think i I think for me that's probably of his that's number three then the celtics number two and then 2016 nba finals number one yeah those are the three that really stand out from a series standpoint to me and also because those were close series to me it's when it's not a close series it's kind of hard to put as much into it a couple others uh, to mention here this is honorable mention time uh kevin durant against the clippers in 2014 second round victory 33 points a game 61 percent true shooting 43 minutes a game Dwayne wade in a losing effort against boston in 2010 65 percent true shooting 33 points a game against the great another just all-time great defense nobody else on his team and that was that was just an incredible scoring series steph curry 34 points a game 61 percent true shooting against new orleans in 2015 and then a very underrated one for curry his 2019 series against the blazers there wasn't one game that stood out but he basically was scoring like 37 a game on really good efficiency every game in that series i mean it's we've kind of become a nerd to those type of numbers but I mean, you just you still just don't see those kind of averages and that kind of efficiency over a playoff series again you know it was portland but some of those games were pretty close and obviously kd wasn't in that series either did you mention Kobe's series against the Suns? Uh, no, I was going to get there, yeah. though. That was yeah, definitely so, uh, one. Yeah, so for that one, Kobe averaged 33.7 points, 8.3 assists, uh, 64% true shooting, 31% usage, 33% assist percentage. So absolutely in- dominant individual performance from him. They they won it in six, but it was a really a really impressive one on their way to— that was the Western Conference Finals that year. Yeah, KD, honorable mention, 2019 against the Clippers, although the first two games, remember, he didn't do that much. And then he said, I'm— kevin durant and went off for the next four games uh and i think those are all the ones uh, that come to mind for me so i'm gonna go with lebron against the warriors in 2016 as number one especially considering the opposition Kawhi against the sixers in 2019 number two and i'm torn between lebron in 2012 and kobe in 2010 against the suns he'll go with kobe in 2010 versus suns just just to get a kobe moment in there it wasn't it wasn't his best decade but it, he was still close to the height of his powers in 2010 i'm gonna go lebron lebron Kawhi. so lebron in 18 fi- lebron in the 16 finals lebron in the 2012 western Car- eastern conference finals and then Kawhi in the in the Sixers series all right, that was a lot of fun, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I can't wait. I'll just, I'm going to throw out, if you want to uh, tweet at us with some other ideas here for All Decade, I'm going to throw out some, some of the ones we have. Obviously, we're going to do MVP, All Decade teams. We're going to do a little tournament, kind of similar to what we did with the All Area teams, where we have these teams in individual seasons actually play against each other uh, and try to simulate out, like do a little bracket. That'll be a lot of fun. Team of the Decade. 
mvp of the decade all right it's lebron but you know we'll we'll see who's after him <laughs> uh i would kind of go through basically all of the individual awards executive of the decade coach of the decade so biggest surprise season biggest disappointing season we had a few suggestions on the cast yesterday of like what our favorite dunked on episode was to record worst um, lebron teammate <laughs> yeah that's right is that in there yet i hope so yeah who played over 1000 minutes yeah that, that's a good one yeah get, can I get some good nominees here trade of the decade free agent signing of the decade worst contract of the decade draft pick of the decade best rookie season of the decade we got all kinds of stuff it's gonna be really fun uh, to go through all this so uh we'll be back next week gonna do three episodes next week then we'll be off because of thanksgiving but we'll have a 15 and 60 on the west coming at some point next week and lots of other great content as well we'll talk to you all then